All right. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. Thank you, Lord, that it's always good to be in your presence and and to have that expectation of good. And, and this is a time when we expect it, Lord. We expect good things because that's what you promise us. So we honor you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. Open our hearts and our minds to hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, so we're going to talk about a commendable faith. Actually, uh, those who had commendable faith or the characteristics of commendable faith will go over those things. So you'll know what, what makes your faith commendable. I want to know. You know, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. And uh, what that means is without faith into your request, without faith, uh, in your life without applying your faith, without showing God your faith, it's impossible to please him. That doesn't mean if you don't have faith, you don't please God. Now what are you going to do? He's given to, dealt to every man the measure of faith. It sounds like we all start out on the same level and then we develop it from there. <clears throat> Amen. Cause God is no respecter of persons. He, he, he really, really wants us all to be successful. All of us to have the same things and, and that is the desires of our hearts and to be able to fulfill what he has called us to do, fulfill our purpose. And so I, I was looking over some very familiar scriptures and, and I've been doing that recently just because God has been showing me different things. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll give a scripture like poor, poor brother Hagen, you say, Mark 11, 23. I mean, as many different ways as he said it, it was always, oh boy, here we go again. You know, out of a lot of people, um, I know some of the people who were students at Rama, uh, confessed that they would all kind of sigh heavily when he would <laughs> announce that scripture. And, and, uh, one of them said, yeah, us so-called know-it-all students thought we knew everything, you know, and, and she said if, if God has somebody to deal with something like that over and over again, it must be because you need it. So you need to trust God that you don't need something new all the time. Sometimes you need to understand what you've heard already. You got me? <laughs> so, so it's good. That's why the Bible says meditate on the word. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Hold on to that word. Keep it very close to you because your life is there and your health is there. Everything you need is in that word. So, so it's a good thing. So anyway, I was thinking about, uh, that and, and as God was speaking to me about, um, uh, commendable faith and and why Jesus commended certain people for their faith. Um, teachers tend to point out things that are a benefit to everybody. And Jesus, we know, preached and he taught and he healed. He preached and he taught and he ministered to people. Part of his teaching, and this is the way rabbis would teach, Jesus just enlarged his classroom when he would go out and minister in the streets because he taught in the synagogues, which was, the Bible says he came to his own. The fact that he went to the Jew first was because it was prophesied about him. He was promised 
to those people. So he went to them first. But he also went to the Gentile because he would teach in the synagogue and that was going to the Jew first. But then as he would walk the streets, people would come up to him and he would talk. So he found he had a dual ministry. He had a mid, so he came to the whole world. That's, that's the bottom line. He was a savior of the world. And so it, in him coming to the Jew first doesn't mean he liked them better or they were uh better people. I know some people say things like God's chosen people. Well, he chose their father. Amen. Chose their father because God, he showed God faith. He'll choose you. If you choose him, you'll be his chosen ones too. <laughs> Amen. Christians are his chosen people as well. Anybody who receives him is his chosen person. Amen. And so uh, there, there's no distinction. In other words, he likes some better than others. You know, somebody is more important to him than somebody else. God had given, um, the Jewish people, the sons of, um, Jacob, who, who he changed his name to Israel. That was their inheritance was the law and everything else that went along with it. And God was their God when they served him. Amen. They served him and then they walked away from him and came back through repentance. But he had to have a people that he could entrust with the scriptures, with the law that he could, could choose as examples, uh, of his dealings with man throughout the ages. It just happened that it fell on them through inheritance. Amen. Just like your skin color and your eye color and your hair come to you by inheritance. Most people would change something about themselves if they could. Amen. So it's, it's just like that. It's just something we can't change. It's something we have no control over. And so the prophecies that were spoken of the Messiah was spoken that he was, he was promised to come to set his people free. Amen. Free from their sins. And the overflow and the spillover was that he came to the, the whole world at the same time. It's interesting. When, when the way that, that Jesus ministered, anybody that heard him could receive what he was preaching. So it, it might have been that he was purposed to come to the Jewish nation first, but if you were a Gentile and you overheard what he was telling the Jew, you received of it too. Why? Because you could believe it and, and have what was being spoken. Amen. And so that message appeals to the whole world. The, the gospel message is, is engineered to appeal to the whole world. So there were, were instances though where Jesus would point out people's faith as, as commendable. You know, something that, that he either marveled at, he approved of, and these are the things we want to take note of as believers. I mean, if, if he told this lady that, that, you know, her faith had done something for her, I want to study this and find out what happened here. I mean, that's just, you know, it's like, uh, like our success motivation tapes that we, we, you know, you, you, you get somebody's tapes and you don't know nothing about them people. All you know is that they say that if you listen to it, it'll help you. Amen. And, and many times people are just open to hear things that they are reputed to help. But this is something that has been validated by the, the savior of the world, the king of glory. 
that that these he approves of these people. He approves of their faith. So if he approves of their faith, then we need to find out what what did they do that meet met his approval and endeavor to do that ourselves. Because when you look at these people, there's really nothing special about them. There's really nothing unique about them. Uh, all of that is revealed when we start to read their stories. So that means that they fit the bill of the whosoever. Amen. They, they don't come from any royalty. They don't come from any high education or any kind of privilege. These are everyday people. And so it, it brings it to a level where we can all identify. I think we can all say, huh, this could be me. You know, this, this lady doesn't have any privilege over what I have, uh, or, or thinking any kind of way different. She's not unique. She's not educated beyond what I feel I'm capable of. I think I can do this. And so I, I think that's really why these examples are here and why God draws attention to them. So the first one, uh, we'll go through the woman with the issue of blood and we'll find her, uh, the account of her situation in Mark chapter five. And, and there were some, some steps I think that all of these people took. Amen. So, when I look at the woman with the issue of blood, what made her faith commendable? Number one, she heard. Amen. Out of that hearing, she said. And then she moved. Amen. All three of them. Many people get stuck at number one. They hear and just let it go in one ear and out the other. Amen. And so you want to hear, but then retain that and make it a part of you. Once it gets in your heart, you'll generally say it. Amen. You make a decision to say something. Once you start meditating on something, you'll start to make plans around what you hear. And so that's what she did. She started to make plans around what she heard, and she began to talk to herself about it. So she said something within herself, and whatever she said brought her to a decision to move and receive her healing. So those are the basic steps, but but we'll go back and go through. Now, in, if you start in Mark 5, verse 21, it says, And as Jesus, when Jesus passed over again by ship to the other side, much people gathered unto him, And he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Now, this little girl was about 12 years old, it says later on in the passage. But it says, as, as, and Jesus went with him. Now the fact that Jesus accompanies this man is an indication that his faith is pleasing to Jesus. He don't go nowhere with nobody he doesn't approve of. Amen. So Jesus goes with the intent of giving this man what he asks for. Why? Because his faith pleases him. His faith pleases him and Jesus takes off with him to do exactly what he asks him to do. 
Jesus is the servant of all humanity, even though he is Lord and King. You know, there, just because you got a lot of money, that doesn't mean you're not qualified to serve anymore. Or you have high status. It doesn't mean you're not qualified to serve anymore. He serves now. He's our intercessor. He's our high priest. Amen. Thank God he's seated. Amen. It doesn't have to stand up and walk around like the Old Testament ones did. But, but his work, the work component is done. But he still ministers. He still has work to do. He still works on our behalf. He still serves. And so it says, um, uh, Jesus followed him and, and the people followed after Jesus as well. It says 24, Jesus went with him. Much people followed him. Amen. Now this crowd, you know, it, it's a mixed crowd. Some of them have faith. Some of them are there for a real purpose. Some of them are just listening. It's a typical congregation. Amen. In a congregation, you find people at all different levels of interest, all different levels of commitment, all different levels of attentiveness. Some are just in a crowd because they like the crowd. Some of them might see something exciting today. They've heard about this man, Jesus. Oh, there he is. Yeah, I heard about him. Well, let me go. I got a few minutes. I can, I'm going to roll with this for a half hour and then I got to go to work, you know, that kind of stuff. And so uh, it's just that way with people. People have different levels of interest, attention, all of that kind of stuff. But then there are people in that crowd that are there because they need something from God. Amen. And so it says he's following Jairus to his home to pray for his daughter and she will live. That's what the, that's what this man's faith told him to tell Jesus. Amen. That this girl will live if he does this. And so it says in verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Now she's been bleeding as long as this little girl has been alive. But now they're both at the point of desperation. The little girl's at the point of death. And this lady's at the point of death or desperation because she doesn't have any money. She can't go to doctors anymore. Her old source of help has dried up. And so now these two kind of meet up at the same place at the same time. Amen. And so it's like when you go to a healing service or a healing meeting, there will be many people there in different stages of urgency as far as their need is concerned. Amen. But Jesus is God enough to take care of everybody. He doesn't have to pick and choose who's the most urgent, who's not the most urgent. We decide that. Amen. So we decide the conditions, the time, when we release our faith, when are we convinced enough that now is the time to do this? And it just happens that these two people kind of collide, it, you know, on Jesus at the same time. Amen. But God is not limited in his ability to help multitudes of people because there were, were large crowds where God said Jesus healed them all. Amen. So God can take care of every situation, no matter how urgent, no matter how desperate, no matter how whatever. He can take care of everything. And he's no respecter of persons. 
So keep showing him your faith. Keep believing. Keep stepping out. Keep doing what you do because God is fully capable of taking care of all levels of needs all at the same time. Amen. And so here, here we see this woman. Now she's been, like I said, she's been sick as long as this little girl has been alive. But time is running out for both of them. So they are both desperate cases. The woman has gradually gotten worse and the girl probably took sick, probably not fairly suddenly. It might have been suddenly. We don't see where she's sick all of her life. But now her time is running out. So the father, really, this little girl's dad, has kind of waited until desperation took hold of him. You understand what I'm saying? Like, for instance, when you live in covenant with God, if you, say, have a pain, an ache, or a pain, or weakness in your body, we've kind of trained ourselves to get on it right away. You know, speak to it, make it stop, do something to prevent the the advancing of disease toward us. So now we live in a covenant where where if you're going to do something about it, we like jump on it while it's small. You don't sit up and watch something kind of like take 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 you over and then decide to do something about it later. We either address it with the word. The other thing too, of course, when you come to church, you can come to the altar and get prayer. So we, we are all accustomed to that. We're not accustomed to just putting things off and putting things off and putting things off, you know, till we get desperate. That is, that though is characteristic of religion and carnality. Because religion will tell itself it's not that bad. Religion will tell itself, oh, God's going to take care of that. Religion will tell itself, well, it's going to get better. I don't have to change, go somewhere different, talk to somebody else, ask somebody for prayer. I don't have to step out of my comfort zone in order to get what I need from God. That's religion. Amen. I've seen it kill many, many people. Because they think God is going to do it just and they have to do nothing. Just sit back and wait for God to show up and heal them. They don't even know the steps of faith and how to step into faith. So religion is a great killer and a great robber of people. And that's probably why Jairus' daughter is on her deathbed. Because you think about it. When Jesus came, they said he came to his own so jesus has been teaching in the synagogue ever since his ministry started and jairus is the head of the synagogue you think he didn't hear jesus teachings come on y'all see nobody wants to get in the position he's in i know i don't i don't think you do either you don't want to Wait till, till your child is just going downhill, 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 and then you move. And yourself either. What's he been doing all this time? Jesus has been coming in the synagogue, healing people and doing everything, and he's sitting up there and he lets his daughter get this sick. No, he's been thinking God's got a different something for him because I'm the ruler of the synagogue. 
I got it made. Do you understand? But God. See, that doesn't stop God either. Your desperation can work for you if you know how to work it. If you put some faith behind it, your desperation can work for you. So that's why I tell people it's never too late to pray for somebody. It's never too late to start speaking the word over them. But you got to make a commitment to continue speaking that word until they're healed. Amen. you got to make a commitment to keep all of this stuff up until it works for you. You don't quit because you think you're special to God and it shouldn't take all this. And God, God don't require all that. Yes, he does. Requires whatever it takes for you to get yourself together and start believing him. Amen. So this father has waited. He's a, he should be ashamed of himself. He's been in the synagogue every time Jesus is taught. Now, just between me and you, what do you think he's been thinking about what Jesus has been doing? Huh? What do religious people usually think about anointed people? Oh, I can do that. That's no big thing. He shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath. He was a mocker and a scorner and a critic. But even a mocker, a scorner, and a critic can repent. Huh? Because how did he approach Jesus? Fell on his knees in front of him. Humbled himself. Bowed down. This is, this is. Can't be just kicking me loose like that. Come on now. (laughs) That ain't your core. All right, praise God. Amen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I didn't mean to call you the devil. I just <laughs> We got to get him out of here one way or the other, you know. So anyway. <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. So anyway. Uh but but you know, Jairus, this is what happens when religion confronts the anointing. One of them's got to bow. Amen. Jesus never bowed to anybody. Amen. So, so this man has to bow to him because he's, this, this bowing means a lot. It means you win. I don't. I'm done. I'm submitting it to you. I don't have any power. Let me shut up criticizing you. Let me change my tune. Let me sit back and listen for a change. Let me respect you and honor you because God sent you and my child needs you. Amen. And so this this point of desperation for some people is where they begin to really finally notice, pay attention, understand, and and start to listen. Amen. Sometimes when all your other options are gone, that's when God really gets your attention. Amen. When you're 
as they say, sick and tired of being sick and tired. When you've had enough of the nonsense, you see your way isn't working and you're tired of playing games, then you just all of a sudden fall on your face before God. God, take over. Just tell me what I need to do. I've been running here doing this, trying to see if this would work and that would work and nothing works. And I know now that you're trying to get my attention so that you can give me instruction and get me out of this this place that I'm in. Amen. So does faith work in desperate last minute circumstances? Yes, it does. See, it's better than giving up. Amen. You don't ever give up. You just stay in the fight. You stay in the hunt. So they both start paying attention to Jesus. The lady with the issue is just as bad. She'd been running to doctors because she had money. Amen. See, many times people think because they have money or they have insurance or have this or have that, they get really comfortable and, and many years will go by and they don't do enough to develop their faith. They're really relying on you know, I got this insurance, I've got that insurance, and then we go buy more insurance to insure that insurance and all the other insurance, you know. Nothing wrong with insurance, but you can't just rely on it. Amen? Can't rely on it. And so so here, she's been relying, not on God, she's been relying on doctors. Amen? Now, they they had a system for divine health in Israel. Now, I don't know how faithful their priesthood was. It seems like Zacharias, the high priest, at the time uh, uh, John the Baptist was was being born, it sounds like he was a faithful man. But that's not true all the time of servants of God. It hasn't been true. It's not true now. Amen. And so here, here she is running to doctors when it appears that she is a, a Jewish woman. Now we don't have that written down for sure, but we can assume that she knows something about the law because she's being obedient to the law because she has an issue of blood and she's not uh, mingling around people. You can tell that by the way she goes about receiving from the Lord. And so she has some understanding of that division and separation that has to be there. And she's looking for this blood to stop and she can go to the priest and let him know that she's healed in her body. But something's not right there. She keeps going to doctors. So her little thing dries up too. Her money runs out. So they're both desperate at the same time. Amen. This is what causes them to turn their attention from what they usually attend to. Now they want to hear. They're paying attention to Jesus now. Amen. Because it says that about her. It says, uh, verse 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians. And had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse, got desperate. Okay, verse 26 is where her desperation enters. And it says, when she had heard of Jesus. So she hears of Jesus when she runs out of money. That's when she starts to really pay attention. That's when she really needs him. 
when she doesn't have any other resources. And the same thing with Jairus. He's, he's the ruler of the synagogue and he's been, uh, criticizing Jesus. He's been, uh, laying traps for him, trying to catch him, uh, so that he can have something to accuse him of. He does the whole nine yards like the rest of the Pharisees do. Amen. And so the fact that they're on opposite sides, She's depending on physicians. He's depending on his position. They think they both can depend on what they've known as a source of their strength, position, comfort, rank, whatever it is, until it doesn't work anymore. Jairus's daughter is no better for him following the law, washing his hands till they read, you know, <laughs> washing pots and cups and all the stuff that they do, all the ritual they go through, his works have not gotten his daughter any better. Amen. And and those people depended on their works. They put a lot of stock in the fact that they lived better than everybody else because they were so clean on the outside. You got me? And so your outer cleanliness is not going to avail you anything when there's a, a problem that a spiritual solution, there's a spiritual solution to it. See that this, 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 you know, you see it with people now. The the most depraved and crazy, raunchy people are are concerned about whether they're eating the right foods or not. And you look at these people, you say, "Are you serious? You really think you're a problem?" But see, man's problem being sin, nobody wants to hear that. See, if you tell that to these people and keep keep wanting to take your guns away when there's a mass shooting like you know i didn't shoot nobody well i don't own a gun either but you know the average person sitting at home hoping that they don't ever have to use it but they have it in case they do amen that's not the person that's the problem but they finding out all these young men have the same profile no number one it ain't no girls it's all boys amen And they all follow the same kind of little profile. You know, loners, you know, not really raised with attentive parents. Parents have their heads screwed on. They say this last kid, his daddy, went in and and filed the papers for him to get this gun. And this kid's only half. A lot of them are on these psychotropic medications. They start giving them in the 60s and 70s. Amen. And the, the... the problems aren't eradicated. Sitting up playing Nintendo games and, you know, all that kind of crazy stuff. Just living in a fantasy world, a dream world. And angry is all get out. Amen. I don't know about you, but my parents, if they felt us getting in a stupid mood, we got checked on it. You know, you weren't allowed to stay angry for very long. You straightened up and you, you went and you started acting like a normal person. It wasn't, it wasn't normal for you to sit and be angry every day, all day long for years. And down in your room in the basement and they don't know what you're doing down there. And they call that living. See? But no, they don't want you to tell your children they have to go to church. Now, you shouldn't force that on them. Well, the devil's forcing everything else on them. Huh? 
They want everybody confused sexually so they can just assign you a gender when they get ready to. Put a chip in you to help you think that way. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's okay, but you can't read a Bible and you can't make them go to church with the family. Amen? Yeah. But no, that's not the, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Huh? That's the root of everything. Whether you trust God with your children, whether you know, respect God enough to tell your children about Him and require them to at least listen. Amen? Listen and understand. Learn something about God. Amen? Give them a chance in life. And so, you know, these are the things that, that, that we need to understand. Hearing makes all the difference in the world, what you hear. As long as this lady had money, she liked hearing what the doctors told her. Oh, here's another doctor. He said, let me refer you to so-and-so over here. Now, uh, this didn't work for you, but I've got a friend over here in the other town, and you go to him, and he might be able to help you. None of them guaranteed her anything. The only one who told her with any any finality, any certainty was Jesus. He's, he talked a different language. You know, when, when he read the scripture in Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to, to do this. They said everybody's eyes were fastened on him. What makes the difference? He read it and it got everybody's attention. It's like everybody in that place paid attention to him. Amen. Well, he told them what it was. He said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. That's the anointing that's making you pay attention. Amen. (laughs) You fasten because you can't take your eyes off me now because the anointing has captivated you. And thank God for that because it made Jairus snap out of his I'm in charge coma. And it made the woman with the issue of blood snap out of her. I'm, I gotta die cause I don't have no more money and no more doctors I can go to. See, that anointing will snap you out of everything stupid. It'll put you over into some good sense in your head. See, always trust the anointing. We don't have to get into somebody's face. You don't have to threaten nobody. You don't have to say nothing out of line. You don't have to push too hard. All you gotta do is say, God, just be with me when I speak. Amen. Let them know what the truth is. God, you know how to make people understand what truth is. So I trust you. That anointing does all the work. Amen. So they both finally pay attention to Jesus. Jesus has been in that synagogue. I don't know how many years into his ministry this has been. But even before he was anointed, he was there a discussing you were allowed to talk to the teachers and and the the ministers there and 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 dialogue with them so he's been having discourse with them forever in the in the temple amen so they finally hear uh Jesus so Jairus heard and he saw Jesus in the works that he did the woman with the issue of blood had heard also it's good if you can hear and see results, but hearing is really what does it. See, you you don't ever have to say, you know, it's like people will say things like, 
uh, well, miracles have been done away with. It, 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 miracles died with the last apostle, you know, a healing died with the last apostle. And they're going by what their experience is, not what, what the word says. See, if they would listen to what they read in the word and hear what they're hearing in the word, something would get triggered on the inside of them and bring life to that word and they will know that it's possible. Amen. But people, traditional people, church people are so traditional. They go by what they, they, uh, experience more than what they hear. And so once you start just living by experience, you're not going to have very much. You got to live by what that word says. You got to understand and hear the power of the word to make that thing come alive on the inside of you so you'll know it's possible. Amen. That's all you want to know is when you need something that is possible for you to get it. And the word alone will do that. You don't have to know anybody who's ever been healed to know that God will heal you. Amen. You just have to get it from the word because that's where everything is, is in the word. So they both kind of like here at the same time, like that word comes alive in both of them around the same time. Amen. This is just interesting to me how these things can can be working. God can be working in so many different areas at the same time and and allow people to receive what it is that they need. Amen. You know, there's a lot of crazy tradition that that makes people comfortable waiting for things forever. You understand what I'm saying? Um uh, you're next in line for a miracle. Well, there's no line for miracles. You understand what I'm saying? That, that kind of stuff. It, these songs just kind of it lull you into unbelief, lull you into doubt, lull, like God's got a line somewhere and you got to wait your turn to get something from him. Well, faith is now. Amen. You die waiting. There's got to be a point where people say, we're not waiting anymore. Amen. And both these individuals came to that realization at the same time. Because Jesus preached in a way that made that word so alive that people knew that it was theirs. It belonged to them. There was no waiting. You didn't have to to be so polite and wait your turn. You got me? There's no such thing as a turn. Faith doesn't take a turn. Faith is now. Amen. Faith grabs it right where you see it. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, so they both mix faith with what they hear. And this is the essential thing. You have to mix faith with what you hear. Amen. And it's risky sometimes. Amen. If somebody tells you, oh, you know, I got, I know what the, the Powerball numbers are and, and Go get your money because you're going to get that million-dollar jackpot. Well, you're not so easy, eager to go rushing up, taking all your money on something like that. See, you don't want to put your faith in that too easily. So if something sounds too good to be true, most people aren't really anxious to mix their faith up with it. You know, you kind of pull back on stuff like that. Like, "Mm, let me think about this one for a minute. Amen. It's like with an incurable disease. Many people die because they don't, they're not accustomed to stepping out on that limb with nothing but the word and believing God. 
So they just accept what the doctors say and just wait for death to. Now, if they're saved, God can do some things to make that easier for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you got to believe for the impossible in order to. <laughs> you have to step over that line at some time. This is impossible. That's how we got the faith of Abraham. He stepped over that line from uh, into the the realm of impossible things. But he believed God was able to do it. See, that's all you need to believe is that God is able. Amen. You're not going to do it. See, many times we get, you know, you hear people say things, well, I'm just tired. I'm just, yeah, you're fatigued because you're trying to bring it to pass. You never let God have it and believe that he would do it for some reason. Amen. So you got to drop your, your, your ability or what you think is your ability to keep this thing going or to make it work. And you got to totally trust God to do it for you. Amen. And, and so many times we get willpower mixed up with faith. The way you know it's willpower is you get tired of it. You get fatigued. Your brain feels like it's been bouncing against your skull for 10 days. You understand what I'm saying? You, 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 you are beyond your ability to do anything. And that's a good place to be sometimes. You see, you know what? I've been striving and working and, and snorting and sweating and trying to make this thing happen myself. Where is my faith in God? I should be trusting God. Amen. And if you, you'll do what Mark 11.23 says, it, this is what takes you off the hook. Amen. It will cause you to rest. Because you'll look at that scripture and you say, oh boy, I can have what I say and he will bring it to pass. So really I can take my hands off of it. Once I believe I receive it, I take my hands off of it. And then I know that he's going to do the rest of it. See, there's a part we do and a part God does. You get tired is because you're trying to do his part. Trying to figure out what you need to do to make it happen. Amen. We all do it. Because we want it so desperately. But see, God has a way to take us out of that stress of thinking that there's something we need to do. Or we haven't done yet. Well, I didn't stand on my head in the corner and, 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 you know, try to twirl around real fast and, and make it happen. I haven't tried that yet. Amen. So it's not bad to just go and exhaust yourself. Just go and give it a good shot and see what you can do. But when you come right back down to it, it's God who's going to have to do it. You're going to have to trust him. Amen. You have to trust him and go sit yourself in a corner somewhere. And, and think the word and start thanking him and start blessing him. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to bring it to pass. I have said it and I believe I received it when I prayed and you're going to bring it to pass. In fact, you can bring it to pass at any time. In fact, I got my garage door up right now. God, you just, you just pull that thing right on up in there, Lord. I mean, I wouldn't mind one little bit if that's what you did today. Amen. And just talk yourself happy. Amen. 
Well, that's what the woman with the issue of blood did. She talked herself happy. Amen. She did. So they both pay attention to Jesus around the same time. She running in there desperate and he's running there desperate too. Amen. So, so what got him, and, and I'm not going to focus on Jairus because that, that would take me off of where I want to go with the woman with the issue of blood, but what, what did he do that was different, amen, than what he had been doing? What began to open the door of faith to him? Yeah, he changed his mind, but there's something he did in verse 22. And 23. He humbled himself. See, humility will always get it for you folks. You search your heart and say, God, if there's any wicked way in me, please let me know. I'm sorry. I get it out the way. Help me to quit doing what I'm doing. Thinking ill of people, whatever it is that, that is not approving to you. Reveal it to me so I can repent and get it out of the way because I want this. I want to hold on to my pride thinking I'm better than everybody and trying to make like people are so this and I'm so that, you know. He's probably repenting a lot of crazy false teaching he's been doing along the way. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, Lord, um, forgive me for wanting to put Jesus out of the synagogue with the rest of my people. You understand what I'm saying? He got a lot to to humble himself about. So you do the necessary, and humility will always get it. You humble yourself before God. He will exalt you in due season. you get the thing that you're looking for. Amen? Exalting means that he puts you on that place where you're favored and you receive. Amen? And so he, he, uh, he humbles himself, and this is what gets him in the door with Jesus. Humility will always cause your faith to be purified. Amen. It won't be clouded with doubt. It won't have a lot of crazy stuff mixed in it. You humble yourself and then you just begin to trust God's word. Speak God's word. Allow God's word to be able to to penetrate your your heart and and let that word become rich in you and let that word convince you that it is true and that the sickness is is not unto death. God is going to do something for your daughter. Amen. And so they both pay attention to Jesus. They hear what he's saying. Jairus has heard and seen Jesus do many, many mighty works. So the, 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 the burden is on him to either accept Jesus who he really is or hold on to this lie he's been believing about Jesus all this time. This lady, it seems like she's been living in a different world. She's been living in the world of doctors and getting more doctors and getting more opinions and all of this. And so she finally comes over into the realm of where she hears Jesus teaching, maybe for the first time. And she starts to pay attention because she don't have anything else to distract her from him. Amen. It's like a lot of times people will, will, Go to doctors and, and they'll be getting better for a little bit and then all of a sudden take a turn for the worse. Well, you don't have them as a distraction anymore. So you can focus on God. See, sometimes other ways and other means of getting your healing is a distraction 
from what really is going to heal you, which is the word of God. So, I mean, even if you are going to a doctor, don't let that consume your time. Don't let that be what you're leaning on for your health. Let that be a temporary support of your health until the word really kicks in. But keep listening to that word because that word will definitely heal you. Amen. That's a definite on that. So you main focus to the thing that's really going to do the job. You don't give your main focus to something of this world and something that's temporal. So the main focus, and this is the difference. I think this is why people like Oral Roberts decided to start showing Christians that it was okay to go to the doctor because we tended to get legalistic about that. You either trust God or you don't trust. You know, if you go to the doctor, you don't trust God. If you, you go to God, that means you got to cut out the physician. Well, Oral said that he, God began to reveal to him that he could use that until the word started to work on people. But the word's always superior. Amen. The word's always superior. And so they got a lot of good results. The city of faith. Is that thing right over there, honey? Yeah. Praise God. They got very good results at the city of faith. As long as God wanted it there. Now, this is interesting. If God had so much confidence in doctors, why isn't the city of faith still there? So God let people know, I did this to prove a point. Now, people think Oral Roberts raised all that money. See, when you're carnal-minded, that's all you think about. What it costs, how big it is, yada, yada. You know, I even heard some ministers said, well, when Brother Roberts, when I saw him, I said, why on earth did you build that city of faith? You know, ain't none of your business. Ain't your money. People who want answers very seldom give anything toward it. Huh? But but Oral answered people. He said, well, God told me he was more interested in ideas and concepts than he was money. If that didn't slap him upside the face, I don't know what else would. Amen. Cut your tongue out. Amen. And so God had to prove a point to people. I don't condemn you because you go to the doctor. But just don't depend on him. Because when he removed the city of faith, that removed the support from people. If you didn't get the, get, get the understanding before, you should get it then. Amen. That, that God removed that as a, it was just, it's just a temporary support to your physical well-being until the word takes over and helps you permanently. Amen. And that's what all these people need. These people who got on the word and and listened to Jesus were in so much better shape than people who were just going to doctors. And, And this woman found out that that was true. Amen. So here she is. She heard of Jesus. And it said that when she heard of him, she came in the press behind. She's not confronting him. She's not going up to him. 
She really doesn't want to be known. And touched his garment because she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. Now, nobody but the Holy Spirit told She didn't make this up out of her carnal mind. Do you realize this lady's been dependent on doctors and she's pretty ticked off now that she's out of money and hasn't been helped and she's feeling worse. So it's a miracle even that she wants to even hear about anything that's going to help her. You got me? Because usually people who are sold on the natural realm, when that runs out, they're done. Amen. You can tell that once they they get that from the doctor that there's nothing they can do for them, usually their mood will start to go down, their attention goes down, they start to withdraw. But she made up her mind, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't quitting. When she heard about Jesus, she said, well, I didn't go on all, all these doctors, I might as well give him a chance. See, she was used to people not helping her and trying something else. Actually, it worked for her. Having that kind of attitude worked for her. Because she was willing to go on to the next thing to see if that would help her. And she heard about Jesus and she began to think about what she heard. This is the best thing that you can do when you need something from God. Take time to think about what you read in that Bible. Take time to meditate on that so that you embrace it fully, so that you digest it. It becomes a part of you. You get a different kind of urgency inside. You get a different quickening inside of you. You get another peace about yourself. You get another excitement within yourself. You get an excitement and a joy within you when you, and you start to get energized to do whatever it is the spirit is telling you to do. Amen. To release your faith. See, until this point, her faith is still bottled up inside her. Amen. She switched her faith from natural dependency. Now it's getting supernatural. Huh? Because when you go to doctors, what happens? You don't touch them. They touch you. Amen. She decides, I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to touch somebody for a change and see if I can grab something. Those doctors didn't have anything that I could extract from them, but I'm going to see if this Jesus has something that I can pull that was going to help me. And she made up in her mind. She said, if I can just touch him, I don't have to ask him to pray for me. Lepers got healed by Jesus. He touched some of them. Some of them he didn't. I know that the Pharisees freak out when they see people do stuff like that. That's the OCD crowd of religion. Amen. Taste not, touch not, handle not, wash your hands. Huh? And if you don't do it, (laughs) condemnation, death, They don't even want to entertain the idea of not doing it. They force themselves. It's a demon. Amen. It's the same demon these other people do it without going to church. Amen. And so here it is. She says, um, when she heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his, cause she said, and in one account says she said within herself, she made up her mind to act on what she heard. 
So she put it together how she could get healed. Amen. What she said within herself is, I don't have to ask him. I don't have to have him touch me. I don't even have to touch him, his body. I can touch his clothes. Because there's something, if there's something, some way to get in touch with him even secondhand, I'm going to do it. So she finds, and this is the interesting thing about meditating on the word and getting your answer and your instruction from God. He'll give revelation to anybody. You don't have to be a, a prophet, a priest. You can be an everyday person. Why? Because this anointing is, is about to fall on believers as soon as Jesus goes to the cross. So sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Amen. That's all she did. She prophesied to herself. She said within herself, if I can just touch him. And what she is saying is he doesn't have to know who I am. He doesn't have to know anything about me. He doesn't have to tell me not to touch him. And she said, I'm going to find a way to get this where I cannot be denied. All these 12 years, doctors have denied me what I was looking for. She said, I got to find a way to get my healing in a way that it, I cannot be denied. I'm not going to be denied. And this is where you have to get to to receive your blessing from God. You have to get to the point where you refuse to be denied. And she figured out a way to plug up all the doubts, all the stops, all the maybes, all the what ifs. What if he sees me? Oh, I can't. What if he knows? Now, see, I can't touch his body because he's going to feel me touching him. You got me? She didn't know all these other people were going to be touching him too. But she had made up in her mind a certain way it was going to go and she stuck with it. This is what you got to do, folks. When God gives you the pathway to your miracle, you got to make up your mind to stick with it and not be deterred. Not be, not go on a different tangent, not get a different idea, not let somebody inject a new idea into your brain. You got to stick with what you've already decided. She decided, I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going to ask him, but I'm going to touch his clothes because there's power in his clothes. Only the Holy Spirit could reveal that to her. See, you get these things like Jesus would get spit spit on some dirt and paste it on their eyes. Those are things only the Holy Spirit can tell you to do. There's always going to be something a little unique about the instruction he gives you. It's not going to be like a religious thing where everybody does it down to the letter and it works. There's going to be something unique for your case. This is, this is how God does it. He fits it into your situation of what you know already about God, but he uses what you already understand as a point of contact to get you involved in it, and then he can pull you over into his divine instruction. I was, this thing about Jesus' spit, 
there was a, a traditional Hebrew legend said that there was a special healing power in the spit of the firstborn child event in every family. So people say, why Jesus spit? Probably that. Because that becomes a point of contact to open them up. You got me? So that, 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 that hard shell of unbelief that covers your faith up can be broken some kind of way. Like the people sitting around the pool. They were all believing some traditional story and we don't know when that happened, if it happened. It was just passed on from person to person to person. Amen. But they, they were believing in something that happened so long ago. But this guy, the guy that Jesus healed, even though he believed that, it never manifested for him. Come on, y'all. You understand what I'm saying? See, we can believe a lot of stories, a lot of traditions, a lot of... This is like the Catholics save up money for years to go to these shrines. The majority of them do not get their miracle. In front of a weeping statue. The statue wept. Somebody saw tears on that statue one time. So we keep going back there. But every now and then somebody will get healed. Difference is, is their faith being released when they go there? God honors faith. He's not intimidated by a statue. He don't care if a statue brought you there. He got, he met you there. In spite of the statue. Same thing with Jesus with the young man who'd been paralyzed for 38 years. No, the angel never came down. Or he said the angel came down and troubled the water. But while he was going down there, somebody got there in front of him. Well, he never said that person got healed. See, that was probably everybody's story. I must not have been the first one down here because I didn't get it. See, God is interested, folks, in releasing our faith. That man sat there for all those years. He probably had been believing so many years ago that it was going to happen. But you know, there's no expiration date on your faith. All Jesus did was come by and reactivate the faith that he might have had sitting there years ago. He just directed in a different way. But that those people sitting out there, most of them are expecting something. Amen. Just like the, the man at the gate, beautiful. He was expecting something. He didn't get what he thought he was expecting. He got something better. If God denies you one thing, he's always going to go you better on the what he does deliver to you. Amen. He won't disappoint. And so these people were, you know, the spit, I believe, could have been a point of contact because that was a fable. That was a tradition in their teaching. 
about the firstborn being gifted that way. So Jesus uses that as a point of contact to get their attention, get their faith stirred up. He'll use whatever he can use. Amen. And he'll let you, you decide when and how you're going to release your faith. This is the important thing. She decided there was a time, a place, and a circumstance for the release of her faith. That's what she did. So when she moved, she moved in coordination with what she had made up in her mind was the way that she was going to do that. Anything different would have taken away from her faith. That's why it's good to let some people, as long as you get a piece about how people are believing, they're believing God to do it, and they're believing the word, don't try to jump in there with something that you think is going to work better. You know, I mean, if it doesn't work, they'll be back. (laughs) You'll have a chance to inject your your high-powered, (laughs) know-it-all, wonderful revelation. But God honors raw faith. That means faith is just out there ready to receive and it won't take no for an answer. Amen. That's raw faith. And this is how it speaks. It's, it's by faith alone and not by who it is that's doing stuff. Amen. It's, it's beyond personalities. It's beyond, uh, what people know and what they should know. All of that. It's, it's not about the person, but it is about, um, uh, your faith. How that's gonna be released. So your faith lets you know, number one, it's not about you. See, her faith moved her beyond the bleeding woman that's not supposed to touch anybody, that's not supposed to do this, not supposed to do that. Her faith said, well, okay, If you know you're not supposed to make physical contact with anybody, why don't you do it this way? Huh? Your faith will tell you that. Your faith will make it fit into some of your restrictions. You know, now some of them, God will clear up with the word. He'll let you know that doesn't make any difference. Amen. Don't believe that. That's going on the wrong track. But when it comes to a point of contact to release your faith, you look in the Bible at these stories and really anything goes. It doesn't have to be in the synagogue. It could be on the streets. Doesn't be have to be all religious and everything. It just be grabbing somebody's clothes. Amen. And so. Your faith lets you know it's not about you. It's beyond who you are. See, if God is no respecter of persons, he'll tell anybody how to receive what it is that they need. And it'll transcend your situation. It'll fit your situation. Your situation won't limit you to living or relegate you to a certain way of life just because you don't meet this criteria. You don't meet this criteria. You know, you don't meet this standard. You don't meet your faith takes you out of the level of standards and having to measure up to something. It takes all this strips, all of that off of you. So when you get down to raw faith, it's just you and what God told you to do and go for it. Amen. And, and it'll work. So faith also gives permission to the whosoevers. 
whosoever can believe can receive when it's on the basis of faith. The Bible says that the promise might be secure to everybody. Amen. It's by grace through faith that the promise might be sure to everybody. Everybody can believe. So in, in verse 29, it says she touched him, touched his clothes. And, and she right away in verse 29, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So immediately when the point of contact met the anointing, she released her faith. She didn't say, well, I didn't get a good enough grab on his clothes. She just saw herself reaching out, touching it, and bam, it happened. Because that's what she made up her mind was going to happen. And immediately it happened. Faith will not lie to you. She believed it for now. And when did it happen? Now. Amen. When I touch his clothes, her body bore witness to her healing. So God won't leave you in the dark about what happened to you. When you're healed, you know it. Amen. And until you know it, keep believing. Keep declaring. Keep thanking God. Keep reaching for that that point of contact. Amen. So it's the same thing about your salvation. When you're saved, you know it. Amen. You have to confess Christ and do what the word says to do. But when you're saved, you know it. Amen. You have peace in your heart about God. You're not afraid of him and running from him anymore. You have total peace. So when he said, who touched me? Now it becomes personal. Until until she was healed, she was a whosoever. After she gets healed, she's somebody. Amen. God can single her out. God can begin to bless her life. God can begin to reassure her. And that's really all he wants to do. Now she's afraid he wants to know who she is because she's done something wrong. Because it would have been wrong to touch him, you know, and contaminate him. Amen. But she decides his clothes, he won't know it. Amen. Even though touching the clothes was not permissible. You know, if you touched anything, clothing had to be burned. If your body was issuing blood or or pus or anything like that, if you were contaminated, all those clothing had to be destroyed. Amen. And so she ain't sure she's in the clear. She's going to take this healing and run off with it. But he stops her. Amen. He stops her. Why? Because he's the author and finisher of her faith. She don't even know it. He's the one that's allowed her faith to progress to the point that it's at now. And But he's not done with her yet. And so it says here, in Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said to him, you see the multitude all around you and you're asking who touched me? See, they can't wait to correct Jesus. That's a lesson for us. 
If you're reading the Bible and you have issue with stuff, don't argue with it. Just let it go until God comes and begins to inform you what's really going on. See, we always think we have issue with something. That's not right. This ain't fair, you know. People who have, you know, developed cults out of wrong doctrine, not rightly dividing the word, have had a a disagreement with God about something in his word. You got to let that kind of stuff go. If you're going to get get healed, you're going to get better, you're going to prosper, you're going to wait until he has an answer for you. So immediately it happened. Your faith will not lie to you. Your faith will bring it to pass. So she believed for now. When I touch his clothes, that's when it's going to happen. I'm going to get healed immediately. And her body bore witness to her healing. When you're healed, you know it. So he asked, who touched me? Now it becomes personal. Until then, she knew her faith would work anonymously. Amen. After it works, then she gets his attention. Amen. And that's where most of us are. We want our faith to be anonymous. Amen. Oh, I don't have to be nobody. Jesus, forget it's me. All the stuff I've done wrong. My confession is toe up from the flow up. You know, just look at my faith. That's all you need to know about me today is my faith is working. Amen. (laughs) But see, after she used, see, faith always gets God's attention. Once her faith is released, then she gets all the attention. Then she's a known person. Amen. She even gets written up in the Bible. So this, her faith, the fact that her faith got his attention means he's got to minister to her and let other people know how faith works. And this is why people get written in the Bible for our edification, for our teaching and for our learning. Amen. Then she confesses him all the truth. She tells him the whole story, what she did and why. And so her faith overrides the law that would have kept her secluded from everybody because faith came before the law. Faith works in a higher priesthood than the law does. Amen. Faith works in the priesthood that Jesus is a part of. He was not a Levite. Amen. He had no rights to that level of priesthood. Why? Because he had a higher one. So her faith overrode the law because faith is an eternal truth and will stand up when the law is done away with. Amen. Faith will be there when the law of Moses is gone. In fact, it is done away with. Amen. So Jesus commends her faith as an example for the crowd. So this is like the teacher's pet day. Amen. Look at her. She did good. This lady's healed because she only believed, amen. He said nothing about her touching him, breaking the law. He let her tell her story, amen. He said nothing about, well, daughter, you shouldn't have done that because you know you shouldn't have been out here. And nothing of that, that matters. That don't matter to her either because she's healed, amen. Just like they asked that that boy, would that man who healed you, is he a sinner? He said, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I know I was blind before I met him. Now I can see and I'm getting up out of here with my eyes. Amen. With my eyes working. So 
Jesus began to distribute revelation knowledge to everybody in that crowd. You know how? In Matthew chapter 6, it only took one chapter. In verse 56, it says, And whosoever, um, whatsoever village or uh, street he went through, They put the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment. She started a thing. She went viral. Amen. She's being monetized. (laughs) That's what everybody wants. They want a million clicks so somebody can send them a check for $10 for abusing their kid in front of a camera. But anyway, but she started a thing. Everybody believed that that would work. Because when revelation comes from God, it's universal. It works for everybody who'll do it. Amen. And it became a thing that they, when Jesus would go through the streets, they would just touch his clothes and everybody who touched got healed. Amen. So God not only hoards, he does not hoard revelation for one situation. But the spirit of prophecy works on that. Amen. That the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And it will begin to reverberate and repeat itself through anybody who's willing to make the conditions. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for the peace that comes knowing your word works for us. That whatever instruction you give us and a point of contact to release our faith, Father. We thank you for these truths that are still true. They're still true. If we can touch you with our faith, we will be made whole. And Father, we thank you that we touch you with our faith as often as we can, and that we are made whole every day. Today, we are more healed than we were yesterday, and tomorrow, we will be more healed than we are today. And we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to touch you with our faith whenever we release it towards you. Whenever we thank you for healing us. Whenever we thank you for what we receive today, for the revelation that we receive, that we are touching you again and again and again with our faith. And we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for the blessing that comes with that. We thank you for everything that we can do with our faith, our faith in you, our faith in your promises, what you've done, and faith in the prophecies that you've given us over our lives, Father, that as long as we touch you, touch your word, touch your promise, we shall be made whole. So we thank you for that, Lord. We are lacking nothing. We are whole and complete in every way, and we honor you in the name of Jesus. Praise God. All right, why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rony, Rona. <laughs> or monkey pox. Or any of them other critters. <laughs> and it can't get me. Thank you, Jesus. That by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen.